Hi all, dear listeners. Welcome to this new episode of my podcast, A Digital Tomorrow. I'm joined today again by my friend Richard Turin. Uh, Richard, as you know, is uh, well, an expert on, on uh, digital currencies, on the digital yuan or ECNY. Um, he's uh, an analytica top 100 influencer. He wrote this book that you can see on his screen, Cashless. Uh, he was already on my podcast uh, a year-ish ago. So it's my pleasure, Richard, to welcome you again today. Hey, Oriel, nice to see you again. And it's so wonderful to be here talking about the digital yuan. And I have a correction. Guess what? This was a big year for me. I am now, according to Analytica, the number four fintech influencer in the planet. So I'm proud of that. So forgive me if I can make a correction. Not top 100, but number four. <laughs> number one is not in sight because I know that guy and he is way beyond me. But anyway, um, it's a pleasure to be here. And hello, everyone out there in podcast and YouTube land. True, true. Indeed, actually, I remember that when you came to my podcast uh, one year-ish ago, you were already on that list, but I think you were uh, below number four. So I saw you climbing up to number four uh, quickly, and I think you're going to make it even higher in the future. I, I actually saw the competition in, in one, two, and three, and that competition is so tough that I honestly, I hope I don't get there because I would have to spend too many hours on LinkedIn and Twitter to, to, make, it, to make it go. But anyway, let's talk about the digital yuan and where it's going and, and, and why. Indeed, indeed, let's talk about that. It's actually, uh, you are a great person to discuss that because you are based in China. You wrote this uh, bestseller about this topic. And you know what's happening like on the ground. So I wanted to ask you like um, first uh, question. Since we last spoke in December 2021 until now, uh, what are the changes? Do you have any, any major updates? Anything has changed uh, since then? Sure. Uh, look, there's a lot to talk about, a lot of updates. But here's the big thing that people really need to understand. The digital yuan is in trials. Repeat, ready? I'm going to yell it. Trials. Now, why is that important for everybody? You will read in, in very large and respected newspapers that the digital yuan is failing. The digital yuan is not living up to expectations. The digital yuan is otherwise not well accepted. And the answer is very clear. These are trials. China already has WeChat and Alipay, digital payment systems that are superb by any measure. And if you look at me, I have the digital yuan app. But when I go to my local coffee shop in Shanghai, it's not accepted yet. Why? Because the coffee shop simply doesn't have to. It's in trial and there's no, and the digital UN is not yet an official digital currency of China. So my coffee shop says, I don't take digital yuan. I don't have to, I don't want to, I don't care. Now, when that magic moment happens, when the People's Bank of China and the legislature passes the law and flicks the switch and it becomes the national digital currency of China, you will see a huge change. But because it's in trials, we still have low uh, usership 
because simply coffee shops, small businesses don't want to be bothered right now. They're all set up for WeChat and Alipay. And that's why when you look at the last reported figures um, on or in the mid-January, um, they reported $8.3 billion in transactions in the last six months. And that's really tiny considering that an annual WeChat and Alipay combined uh, uh, cash throughput is something like seven point, I can't remember, 7.2 or 7.4 trillion. <laughs> so we've got, you know, 6 billion US dollars versus, you know, seven trillion, roughly 7 trillion. So we've got a lot of zeros uh, difference. Yeah. But the thing to remember is it's in trial. And that's what people have to really focus on. And I don't think enough journalists or um, Western observers really get that. So I think I've hammered that point uh, to death at this point. So anybody listening, right? Is it what is digital UN? Digital UN is in trial. That's that's actually a very important remark because um, I was speaking in a couple of events in a couple of events uh, last week, and I was told that precisely. Some people looked at some figures and they told me that Digital Yuan wasn't going that well, because if you look at the total figures, it's kind of a failure. You know? So I think this idea has actually been quite extended, uh, especially in the West, you know? this idea that Digital Yuan is not working and this and that, which is false, as you said. Yeah, look, there, look, there's no question that the PBOC probably wants more people to use it. There's no question about that. I won't debate that. But the real issue is that for people like me uh, living in Shanghai, um, I'm still limited to the number of stores that actually take it. And if you don't have a store that accepts it, you obviously can't use it now and use it on WeChat Pay, on, on Alipay. Um, it's they've built all of these different um ways to use it and that's increasing but it's still limited and that's look what people really have to get under understand about this is that the people's bank of china is being wait for this word meticulous in how it rolls out the digital yuan and now let me explain why number one the digital yuan is not bitcoin all right now look and that's an important thing to understand. Bitcoin or a cryptocurrency is put out there and they say, well, we give you the coin and you figure out how to use it. All right. You wallet provider come up with the wallet. You um, figure out how it's going to be used. This is exactly the opposite. The um PBOC so far has something like 1.2 million what they call scenarios for usage. Now, a scenario is really funny. So if I pay you person-to-person -person payment, that's scenario one. Scenario two, I pay a merchant. That's scenario two. They have 1.2 million of these scenarios that they've gone through so far. Now you say, that's pretty granular. Yeah, and the reason it's granular and they have these millions of quote, what they call scenarios is that they need to ensure that when they eventually launch the digital yuan as the universal digital yuan, 
universally accepted digital simply works every bus, right? And have the and use your digital UN to pay for your bus ticket on the bus if the bus isn't connected, if the bus doesn't have the right software, if it's all not, if it's not all arranged. So what you're going to find now, this is really relevant for the digital euro or the digital pound someday, maybe even in the distant, distant future of the digital dollar. They all have to ensure the connectivity of these new digital currencies or central bank digital currencies to the real economy. And that's a very different job, a very different role than, hey, here's a Bitcoin. Here's a new cryptocurrency. We mint the coin. You figure out how you're going to use it. And you know, so we really have to understand how the PBOC being meticulous is a critical part of making a digital currency part of everyone's life here in China. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to ask you now about the technical features of the digital yuan because um, there are two that I think are, um, well, are causing much more, uh, raising much more interest, I, I would say. Uh, worldwide. I mean, one is uh, digital yuan being able to be used offline. And the other one, which is even more surprising, is um, what I read that it can be used even if your phone's battery is dead. So it, first of all, I mean, is that true? And if that's true, how does it work in practice? Uh, the, the answer is, it's true. How it works with the battery dead, I'm not 100% sure, but I can hypothesize. And, and I have never tried it. Um, so look, let's talk to people let's first folks everybody out there in podcast and youtube land the most important feature of central bank digital currency in china for the digital euro for the digital pound and you should demand this of your central bank if they are looking at a central bank digital currency the most important feature is offline transfer if you want to make that comparison with cash, and I have now have a 100 RMB banknote in my hand, if you want that ability to pay one person to another, mm -hmm. and if you're going to tell me that central bank digital currency is a cash replacement, well, you have to make it so that you don't need signal. Okay, so offline mm -hmm. means no signal, no connection to the internet, no connection connection to through your phone. And that is an absolutely critical feature that people should be demanding. Why? Because number one, financial inclusion, and that's critical in China where we have rural populations who don't have smartphones. And in some cases, they're very remote. They don't have signal. Mm -hmm. So it's critical for financial inclusion, and then it's critical even in the developed world where we have internet failure and power failures. We have natural disasters. Mm -hmm. So if you want to make a robust, or as my favorite author and Nicholas Nassim Taleb would call it, an anti-fragile, a system that's not fra fragile, but anti-fragile, you need this offline payment. Now, quick aside, the 
uh, digital, the European Central Bank or the ECB and the Bank of England, the BOE, both say they are experimenting with uh, offline payment, but haven't committed to it. Now, I want you to see the difference in China. Mm -hmm. One of the there was the number one design parameter for at the very start of the digital yuan project was number one, it must be used or have the capability to be used offline if it is to be considered a cash replacement. Very interesting. So um, that's where we that's where we are now. What is offline payment and what does it mean? And I can even show a picture um, of this uh, to people who are on YouTube. I'll explain it. And for those who are on YouTube, what you're looking at, for those who are on podcasts, what we're looking at now is a picture of what looks like a credit card size device. It has an LCD panel on it, and the panel shows how much money is on the card. And the money, of course, is, of course, digital yuan, how much digital yuan is on the card. And that's um, what digital offline, uh, digital offline payment devices look like in China. And they'll probably look very similar in your country someday as well. But the point is, you don't need to have a smartphone to be able to make digital payment. And that's absolutely critical. So China has a very large rural population. They are unbanked, still one of the largest unbanked populations in the planet, even after the tremendous progress at becoming banked, people made with weak chat and Alipay, but there's still old people or very remote people who don't have smartphones or any phone, mm -hmm. but now they can have these little smart cards and um, have the ability to make a form of digital payment and have some access to saving saving money without necessarily putting cash under the mattress, right? So um, these are big. Now, we also have that function in your phone. Now, that's clear. Phones use something called NFC, or Near Field Communication Capability. Okay. So that card, which up now has NFC built into it, and even without signal, I can make a payment. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, the concept comes that even if battery, it can make a payment. NFC in certain phones, um, certainly the Huawei Honor 40 has a special built-in digital yuan wallet. Now that apparently, in my view, that's a clear hardware solution. It, that wallet would work with NFC even if the phone battery is dead. And perhaps with certain other phones, because that Battery dead feature works on Android, but as far as I know, it doesn't work on uh, iPhone right now, but see. we'll see. But that's the NFC communication standard is at the root of how this um, battery dead functionality works in my view, but I, I know I, nobody to my knowledge has dissected it yet to figure, to figure it out. I see. No, I mean, it's been a, um very interesting to hear from you now regarding the technical features which uh, to some extent always remain a bit of a mystery but it's been great to see these um, clarified but i wanted to ask you something uh, 
regarding what you said uh, before, because you talked, of course, a lot about uh, WeChat Pay, Alipay. So I know that many people are wondering um, why did China need or does China need a digital yuan if people are already so used to making electronic payments? Where's the added value? And I know it's a tricky question because you mentioned now financial inclusion and financial inclusion is, of course, very important. You know as well that I brought uh, a very, well, um, I tried to make it comprehensive report on the digital yuan for cross-border payments. So there are many theories. So to you, why is the digital yuan important for China, given that China was already used to making electronic payments? What will be the difference in, in this case? Sure. First of all, you are far too modest. Your report on the cross-border payments for the digital yuan was excellent, and it was so good that I put it in my newsletter and on LinkedIn because it was a wonderful report. So to anybody out there listening who hasn't seen it, please do a quick Google search for uh, Dr. Ordo Cordovilla and check out his report on cross-border payment with the digital yuan sponsored by the blockchain institute is that good advertising or what great great it's great so 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 look your report was wonderful i really loved it and i think it's a must read for anybody out there who's interested um now the question is why if china has great digital payment, why bother with the digital yuan? And that's a very mm -hmm. Western attitude. You've got pretty good. Why bother with more? And that's exactly what China isn't good at. China says the following, hey, we've got WeChat Pay and Alipay, and they have had a tremendous impact on financial inclusion, can be tied to or connected with an actual GDP raise for the nation. And if a little bit of digital payment is good, just imagine how much a lot of digital payment, how much good that would do for China. So, you know, so um, the Western perspective is we've got a little bit and it's good enough. Let's just stop there. And in China, it's wow, this is so good. We want one more. more. So let me, so let's take it from the uh, perspective of the People's Bank of China. Right now in China, more than four times the GDP, three point something per times the GDP of China is transferred on WeChat Pay and Alipay. There is a stability issue here. If either WeChat Pay or Alipay fails, we have two private systems. If either fails, what do you do? You've got literally part of a nation that has no, no payment. So the digital yuan is considered a stability, financial stability issue. If digital payments are so big, we want to have a backup system that, that is offline, no electricity needed in certain for smaller transfers, right? And this would be a backup system or an additional form of payment in addition to WeChat Pay and Alipay. And second, they get the financial inclusion where, of course, we have the ability to reach out to rural communities and bring them a digital payment method that is not smartphone dependent. And that's huge. These are really big factors um, for China. Um, and then the third thing we can talk about international transfers, which are, of course, a big thing in the time of sanctions. But really, the major motivations for China 
are that simply they want greater financial stability and they want greater financial inclusion. And these, um, and they're going to, what they're going to get out of it is, and this is the important for th thing for people to remember, the digital yuan is going to fill a niche and fill a need that goes beyond WeChat and Alipay. Let me give you an easy example. WeChat and Alipay tap out, I think, I can't remember what the maximum usages are, but for a typical personal wallet, I think I've got, you know, I think I can do 10,000 R. Yes, I can do 10,000 RMB maximum one transfer, and then I've got annual limits. All right. Well, with the digital yuan, we're already seeing payments um, that are far, far above 10,000 RMB, like 100,000 or a million RMB for corporates. So it's going to take over a niche in payment that is far above and beyond um, the WeChat Pay and Alipay. And we've got programmability built in, which WeChat Pay and Alipay lack or have primitive versions of. So um, they're really apples and oranges. And for people out there listening, this is not the case. The, the central bank digital currency is not a vendetta. It's not designed to kill or damage or destroy WeChat Pay and Alipay. No, nothing could be further from the truth. All of these payment systems are diff different. And I ask you, people in the West, how many credit cards do you have? You may have a Visa, a MasterCard, an American Express, or Discover. Even if you have three and they're all Visa cards, one has mileage points, the other has cash back. So just to be clear, you all have these various credit cards in your wallet that give you a different way to pay. And that's the same for Chinese people. They're not going to have their Chinese consumers are now going to have WeChat Pay, Alipay, Digital Yuan, more choice. More choice is fundamentally good for Chinese consumers. It gives them more ways to pay. And it's just the same as you having a uh, different credit card in your wallet. So please don't buy into this fantasy that the digital yuan is designed to eliminate the WeChat Pay and Alipay. It's just not the case, and uh, it, it's, it really disturbs me when I hear that. Now, look, one has to really understand that the use case for digital UN with programmability, with very large payments that will someday be available to make, you know, large payments, 50,000, 100,000 U.S. equivalent through your bank or whatever. These are uh, these are a big deal, and this takes digital yuan in what I, like, what I like to call a different space or new niches, different places where WeChat Pay and Alipay were never designed to go and cannot go. So they are not fully equivalent, and there's room for all of these payment systems in the market, just like you have room in your wallet for multiple credit cards. No, I think that's a very interesting uh, remark to make because I remember when when China starting the the tests in, with digital yuan uh, three years ago, many people said, uh, many many media reported uh, this fear that you mentioned that uh, digital yuan was somehow created to destroy Alichat, 
uh, Alipay, sorry, WeChat Pay. And then in the end, of course, it's, it's what you said now. It's all about uh, uh, cooperation and, and offering more options to the customer rather than, than digital yuan destroying the others or anything like that. But it is true that that idea was quite um, quite often repeated on the media uh, a few years ago. You know, you know, it's really kind of sad. It's come to the point where anything that China does is viewed in a negative sense or in a sense that it's bad or otherwise done for a um, uh, for uh, for a bad reason. And that's just sad. Now, look, folks, everybody out there, think about you what you don't have. If you're thinking about um, well, we use credit cards for a lot of stuff in the West. No, you don't. You have to understand how well integrated WeChat Pay and Alipay are. If WeChat Pay and Alipay cover roughly make payment total annual payments of roughly three and three point seven or four times the GDP of China. Do you know what that number is for the United States, where people use cards more than Europe? In the United States, the use of credit cards is one third of U.S. GDP. One third. So you're anybody out there listening saying, well, we use cards for a lot. No, you don't. Not compared to the deep integration that digital payment has in China. Mm -hmm. So if you were the Federal Reserve, the BOE, and you're seeing this trend for cashless payments, and all of a sudden you found that you've got this huge four times GDP number for digital payment, you would want to build a backup system too, because your entire economy is based on these systems and they're not bad. And yes, they haven't crashed and that's a good thing, but you would certainly want what we would call plan B. So, you know, the PBOC um, is actually, um, not so nefarious and smarter than people make them out to be. I mean, they're they're really looking out after the economy and ensuring um, uh, the integrity and the stability of the monetary payment system of China. And that's that's a smart thing to do. You can't blame them. Okay, so just to wrap up this uh, section on, on digital yuan, I wanted to ask you whether you could uh, please give us a demo of how it, it works, the app, how it looks like, because I know that many people in the West and all over the world who have not access to these apps, they wonder what it looks like, and it's not that easy to find information sometimes. So I know you prepared something for me and my listeners today. So if everybody, if we're really lucky and the technology works, I'm going to put a screen up and hopefully we'll get to see, oh, my cell phone. And that is in fact, my cell phone on the right-hand side. Let's make the screen big for everybody. Um, there we go. We've got my cell phone in large on my shoulder and I'm gonna move myself. And there we have um, the ECNY app and we're opening it up. And as you can see, I have a massive amount on my wallet. I have 10 RMB on my wallet. It's been there for a long time. I've just bought a couple of, of water, waters on the subway. There's so, so, as I said before, there are few places that I can actually use this. I use WeChat and Alipay most of the time. Um, but this is the um, 
the uh, the the digital yuan app, and I have a balance of ten RMB. And on this particular wallet, you can see I'm connected to a bank, and the bank is called ICBC. Mm -hmm. And uh, let me just get a pointer. You can see down here is the ICBC logo. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, I actually have two wallets. This one is actually a fake wallet. Um, I don't actually have a my bank account, but this is Alipay's my bank. So you can connect the ECN Y wallet with either any of your banks. Okay. Okay. And then what you can do is that you can bring money from your bank onto the wallet. Now, here's what people have to understand: when I use WeChat Pay or Alipay, I'm not the money is in an account and I'm change, spend, sending money from one account to another. When I use ECNY up to a maximum of around 10,000 RMB, that amount of money is can actually be on your phone. And when I say on your phone, it means that the digital representation and zeros and ones of a paper banknote is actually on your phone. Not, so when I send, Oriel, if I send you 10 mm -hmm. RMB, I'm sending you a digital 10 RMB. Here we've got my um, digital uh, RMB account. And simply to make a payment, um, I use I can use WeChat Pay and Alipay. So they're pay and it's, yeah, it's asking me to, so there's nothing but my hand now that you're seeing. Mm -hmm. But anyway, yes. so there's, um, I can scan to pay, I can receive money. Okay. So if you're gonna pay me, I pay with QR code. And that's, all of these features are exactly like WeChat Pay and Alipay. They're really the same. Now, the other thing that I can do that's important is I'm going to show you, and I don't know how much I wanna show. Here we go. I'm in actual my WeChat Pay. And what you're looking at here are my conversations, but here's my money. Now, it's not showing. It actually says, because we're screen recording, I can't show you the uh, the actual QR codes. But if you look over my shoulder here, yes. you'll see something yes. that says pay with ECNY. Mm -hmm. So if I'm on WeChat and I want to make a payment or receive money, I can also do it through the digital yuan app. Now, what's important to understand is that that runs. So here's WeChat Pay and the mm -hmm. digital yuan sort of runs alongside it. I see. So if I make a payment with digital yuan, WeChat doesn't get all the data. Now, that's big because one of the complaints that people have for big tech, both whether it's Facebook, WeChat Pay, or any of the, or Square or PayPal, is that, yeah, you're using them for payment, but they take the data. So here what we have is ECNY sort of run over to the side, and WeChat is the conduit it, it provided the connection but the all the data all the payment transfer happens separately on the ecny app okay so if i click on wechat pay it can actually i don't know leaving so if i click on wechat pay if you look it's going to take mm -hmm. me to, to the, the digital rmb app
Okay, right. So That's you see how that works? Yes, so yes, yes. It's very interesting the way the way that it works. So um those are sort of some some basic features of how this works. The most important thing for people to understand is that um, if I open my ECNY or my digital UN app, it makes payment. And so I get down to receive payment and it uses QR codes and I swipe swipe up to make payment, okay? And with these QR code-based system, it's exactly the same as WeChat Pay or Alipay. So nobody in China has to ask, how do we use this? We don't know, okay? And then you can actually do this. Um, you can connect. Um, you can connect. So here's what, the, what you see going across, scanning mm -hmm. across are the different icons of the different companies that accept digital UN payment. And there are 96 supported merchants right now. I'm just reading that. I've connected five of them, Meituan, DD. You can see what I've connected. And I can connect these individual merchants to my digital UN wallet so that I can spend digital UN on some of those platforms. But even, so for example, I have um, uh, Jingdong on the bottom. There's a little dog. Let me see if I can get it here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. see it here. There's a little dog, all right? And that icon is Jingdong. So I can use uh, digital yuan on Jingdong to buy things. Mm -hmm. And I've tried. But I can only, so only certain stores will accept it. So okay. my point is, it's not ubiquitous yet, even on a big platform. Jingdong, for those who don't know, is like Alibaba. It's a online Amazon you know, e-commerce site. So mm -hmm. um, when I say that it's in trial, they're making all these connections. But so soon, but it, even if I go to Jingdong, right, to use it, it doesn't mean that every store on Jingdong takes really digital yuan. So I have to be able to be selective as to who, right. who I'm going to use. So um, those are a few basic um features of the digital yuan i hope i haven't sh shared any particularly um sensitive data with no, you no no I, I don't think but, so i was checking everything uh, i didn't see anything uh good thank or, you or the, technically Luckily. the payment codes i'm not supposed to show you but as i only have 10 rmb there's not much to steal from this wallet um but the point is and anybody who has my qr code can i will gladly accept payment in digital if you use that code but anyway um, um that's basically how it works these are the th i have three wallets my bank we bank set up even though um, i really only use one of the bank accounts um, but you can see that it's fairly easy to use uses these qr codes and anybody in china um, would know how to to work it i'm just thinking if there's anything more that i can Oh, let's see. Services. Here we go. I can say we can, of course, send Hongbao, which is red packet, yes. which yes. says so it says what is the red packet? So I can basically send a red packet to somebody and they can send to receive presents, which is big, of course, for Chinese New Year. Indeed. But, uh, you know, it's not it's not a big I'm not a big user. Um, of this yet. And most people aren't. But um, technically, it the important thing for people to see is that it works very similarly to WeChat and Alipay and that um, this wallet is 
technically not connected to my bank. It can receive money from my bank, mm -hmm. but it's actually a low-level wallet and is not capable of making large high-value purchases because I haven't connected it using uh, additional security features to make that I see. connection between my bank more, um, more KYC compliant and more secure to allow me to make higher level payments. That's, mm -hmm. I haven't done it yet. There's no reason for me to do it, but that's uh, a feature. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Great. It's been a great so, uh, demo and I think it's going to be very interesting for my viewers in this case to be able to, well, to see these things that I'm sure they didn't see before, no? because I mean, you can only see this if you're in China, basically. So, yeah, basically. So look for everybody to know, the important thing is digital yuan is not like cryptocurrency. It's not Bitcoin. You have to be approved to use it because you have a China mobile number, a China bank or a China bank account. Th those without bank accounts can use it. You can download the app. 20% of the Chinese population have downloaded the app. So people are certainly curious. They they really want, it was the number one app when, as soon as it was launched. People are curious and when eventually the digital yuan leaves trial and it goes into uh, actual use within within China. Uh, I'm sure there will be a large uptake of of the uh, of the digital yuan. But right now, the important thing for people to remember is that it's in trial, okay, and that people should not be. Uh, concerned or think that, oh boy, it's a failure because uh, the the Western media couldn't have got that more wrong, but let's just leave it at, I disagree with the, with the media on that. Because of the what word? The word trial. <laughs> and because I can't use it in my coffee shop. And well, now before uh, wrapping this episode up, I wanted to ask you if, if there's, if you have enough time, if you could, uh, summarize me in a few minutes. Um, what are the most uh, commonly repeated uh, fear monitoring arguments about CBDCs? Because I know that, um, I mean, I'm not saying that, uh, that there is no basis on all of them. Perhaps some of them have some basis, but still I am like always hearing people mentioning many scary things about CBDCs, which I'm trying yeah. to, to debate. I mean, when it comes to privacy, when it comes to control. So which are the ones that you are hearing the most and how would you, um, challenge those. Yeah, sure. Um, let's look at one from today. Um, there was brand new in the Financial Times today, an article in one of the sections, and it claimed very clearly that the Bank of England would have new access to all of your personal data. And small newspaper. They have an obligation, and one of their senior editorial people wrote in the second headline, the mm -hmm. Bank of England will have new access to personal data. Well, the Bank of England just produced two big research papers on central bank digital currency. And in each one of them, they were explicit that all of the designs would not give the central bank, the Bank of England, any access 
to personal data. Mm -hmm. Now, look, friends, the Financial Times has an obligation to read these papers before they make the accusation that the Bank of England has new access to data, because frankly, the Bank of England will not. And they're very clear about how they will not have access to any of your personal data or personal payment information. So it's really scary because um, the two memes are the central bank is going to know everything about what you do, and the central bank is going to control your, your money. by the, the European Central Bank for the digital euro, or ironically, these protections are purely free. The, the central bank, neither does the Bank of England and neither does the European. The central banks are being very clear that they don't want this responsibility. They don't want to control your cash. And people who are writing articles on this have a duty to read what the central bank is saying. And okay, they have also a duty to question and to say, let's show me the design. But they but they don't and should not rumor monger right. and scare scare people unnecessarily. And that's exactly what's happening right now. So as my final joke, whenever you read an article that says your money is going to be controlled by the central bank. They're going to know everything that you do. Look at the source of the article. And I would almost bet the article is either selling gold, selling crypto, or the final thing that they sell are survival bunkers. <laughs> Meaning that, you know, they're always, you know, they're selling financial disaster. You've got to have a lot of gold. And, you know, and or or buy crypto because crypto is better than anything else. So, mm -hmm. um, yes, reporters like the Financial Times get it wrong. But much of what we see uh, wrongly reported about CBDC is really by people who want to sell you stuff and make a living by selling fear. So uh, I'm sorry, but that's the truth. And I hope that that message makes it across to some people and check who's writing. Mm -hmm. No, I, I fully agree. I try to convey this message as well in all my talks, my seminars, uh, because, I mean, let's face it, uh, when, whenever we use now any other means of payment, unless we, unless we use cash, uh, we are actually already to some extent controlled. And it makes sense. I mean, there are uh, KYC issues, tax issues that, needs to be, that need to be controlled. And even if you use, let's say, a stable coin instead of a CBDC, the ones handling your data will be big tech companies. So at the end of the day, someone needs to be in charge of the of the data, so I don't think um, there should be this kind of rumors about CBDCs. No, I th I'm a bit sad when I see that because it's what you said. It's usually people who try to sell you their cryptos, their their gold, their DAG, who kind of spread these kind of rumors. And I think that CBDCs will have a huge role in the future of money, in the same way that other elements may have a role as well. No, I mean, the cryptos may play a role in certain countries as well, etc., uh, etc. Et but it doesn't mean though that CBDCs are evil or anything like that. And I try to convey this message as well. Uh, it's an important message. It's not making it through. 
Um, the central banks have not been as clear as they should be. Um, they could do more. Central banks are not advertising people. Um, crypto, gold sale, and survival bunker people are good advertisers. So they're actually better at advertising than the, you know, than the central banks are. Um, we'll get there. Um, I think that, look, and yes, people should be asking questions. What does this software look like? You know, um, but the concept that all central bank digital currencies are bad, you know, is simply wrong and rumor mongering. And remember, folks, central bank digital currencies are software. You can build good software and you can build bad software. In the end, what you're going to end up with central bank digital currencies it, what you end up with is a payment method that is better than what you've got right now, better at preserving your your debt than what you've got with credit cards and digital payments that you've got today. And that's the God's honest truth. So, indeed, um, indeed. I hope everybody enjoys their bank digital good one to look forward to. And my book is named Cashless. It's it's the um, it's got two hundred and fifty five star reviews on Amazon. I'm so proud that people love reading the book. It's not dry. It's you know very much a personal account of what living in China is like and what using WeChat and Alipay is like. Um, it's a very fun and sort of a page turner book about what our CBDC uh, future is going to look like. So connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and check, check out Cashless. Thank you very much, Richard, for your time today. It's been an amazing pleasure to be able to speak with you and discuss all these uh, interesting topics. And well, as you said uh, to all my listeners, please feel free to follow Richard on, on LinkedIn, on all his social media, to read his book as well. Uh, you will learn a lot from Richard when it comes to not just digital brand, but uh, CBDCs in general, digital currencies, and anything fintech, because as we said before, um, Richard is uh, the world's top four fintech influencer according to Analytica, so he's always producing lots of uh, amazing contents and, and materials. And well, I would like to thank you again, Richard, for accepting my invitation. It's, uh, as I said, a, been a pleasure to speak with you. And to all my listeners, uh, thank you for listening to this episode, and please stay tuned for the next ones. My pleasure, Oriel. Thank you to everybody out there. Take care. Thank you. See you all soon. Bye. Bye.